This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello everybody, welcome to the Broadcast Podcast. My name's Tom, I'm part of the Broadcast team and today I've got an interview that I'm going to be bringing you with Ben Harrison. Now Ben is someone I met a couple of weeks ago, I'm doing some theology study and Ben's doing the same course that I'm doing and we we had a great conversation in one of the coffee breaks all about church planting and I learned that Ben's involved in church planting in West Wales in a context quite different to what I'm doing in Manchester Um, and something we haven't really spoken a lot about on the podcast and it was fascinating hearing some of the experiences what it's like planted into that kind of a community and so I've invited Ben onto the pod to have uh, a similar conversation on here and talk about some of the journey some of the experiences and hopefully it will be helpful for you if you're planting into that kind of place Or if you're not, it could be quite a provocative thing to uh, have a different perspective on church planting, maybe to what you've heard before. So, Ben, it's great to have you on the pod. Welcome, my friend. Great to be with you, Tom. And that would be good to delve uh, deeper into uh, some of what West Wales has regarding uh, church planting. So I, I wonder if a good place to start is just to uh, paint a little bit of a picture, who you are, a bit of what your story is and what's brought you to Wales. So uh, just hit some of the highlights along your story, uh, how you first became a Christian, any key moments on the journey and uh, then how you ended up in Wales. Great question. So uh, I grew up in a little seaside town named Great Yarmouth. Now that is the east of England. We're talking East Anglia, Norfolk area. Look for Norwich City on the map and uh, you'll find us. And uh, I grew up there as one of five boys, not from a Christian background. So you can imagine we were little scallywags running around the neighbourhood there and uh, uh, running around the estates there. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, growing up, we were... Great Yarmouth is a bit of an underprivileged area, not much uh, resource regarding uh, maybe education, work, things like that. And so from the outset, uh, what's expected of five young lads running around? Well, we would get up to trouble and uh, all of that stuff. Um, So at the age of 17, Christ came and found me on a path that was going completely the opposite way to to church to be honest I'd never been involved with church um I mean I think the closest thing we had to church was maybe breaking a few windows and and whatnot so uh yeah I so growing up I think I think church really wasn't on the on the sort of horizon for us as as five lads sort of trying to grow up and make a make a quick dollar uh, so um one night the the story of me coming to christ begins where we were out a, a group and i a group of friends and i were out in the local town and um and uh we sort of went from one town to another section by a bridge headed over the bridge. Unfortunately, we 
bumped into another group that, uh, let's just say, weren't too friendly. Um, so I got a pretty hefty beating on the bridge there. And that's where you're going over the bridge, headed into one of the bars there. And um, uh, unfortunately, bumped into the other half of that group and uh, was nearly beaten to death in the, in the bar there. And uh, after that, it must have been maybe the following week, one of my closest friends had reached out to uh, what would end up becoming one of our closest friends, uh, a girl named Grace, bless her heart. And she said, do you want to come to church? My dad's a pastor. And so uh, this was the following week. I still weren't talking. My face was still ballooned up. Um, still couldn't quite do accurate x-rays on my face because the, the bruising. So I don't know what I looked like entering the church at that point. Um, but thankfully, we went one Monday night to a youth group and uh, my friend and I and we just saw, well, I think the first thing that struck me was no one looks beaten black and blue here. So that was that was the first thing I thought, oh, OK. And um, no one needed substances to smile. That was also another thing. So, uh, yeah, um, we we soon fit in. They accepted us. We soon fit in um, and uh, came to faith there maybe three months later. Uh, we both of us came to faith, professed faith in the Lord Jesus and uh, put our trust in him. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's such an amazing story and the uh, encouragement, isn't it, to yeah. uh, hear how Christ is at work in all sorts mm. of situations, all sorts of mess and brokenness. He's there and he's doing stuff. Um, so th this is you, 17 years of age. Um that's about as far east as you can go. Um, now you're close to as far west as you can go. You've made your way across the country. How did that happen? Great. So um, I was perhaps 18, I think. I think I was 18. I was about a year in the faith there, um, maybe a bit more. And uh, my friend, who I started going to church with, um, he had a girlfriend, but she lived in Wales. Now, we'd never really considered Wales, really, you know, being that far east, as you say. Um, and uh, they were talking anyway, and then they started dating. And he said to his girlfriend's um, cousin, which happened to be my wife <laughs> some years later, um, hey, I've got this friend and uh, I think you get on with him and then and then the cousin also uh, said to Sarah my wife ah oh, Danny Ben's friend has got this girl and uh, has got this um friend sorry and you get on well well with him and then we started talking but the rough thing is are you ready for this Tom she ditched me because she said I was too far away <laughs> and it was only a year later when we happened to start talking I can't even remember through what um, anyway we ended up started talking again and um, I went and visited and then met them all and, and then they came down here and that was the start of our relationship so that was when I was perhaps 19 we were married at 20 
and we've been together for the last we've been married now 11 years yeah so <laughs> if you know anything about welsh girls generally <laughs> they're not leaving wales okay so that's how i ended up in wales oh, as opposed great. to her over in norfolk yeah yeah that's brilliant so um nothing spiritual no divine voice from heaven uh it, it was there to be with a girl and a good choice um so uh, um my understanding is that's Carmarthen is it that you moved to at that point in time um and then um so, so what happened did you, did you settle into the church that um that your wife had been going along to before did you find a different church together um be, be there for a bit and then uh, at what point in the story did the, the desire to church plant come into it was that almost straight away when you got to Wales or further down the line? Do you know, Tom, I think I remember going to, um, if you know New Day, uh, yeah, of course. And, uh, yeah, I do. I think um, a lot of people listening will be yeah. familiar with New Day. Um, yeah, uh, so, if, um, if you're not familiar, it's a big Soul Survivor-esque summer festival. That's it. And what wonderful times they were. And we, we went for a few years. And uh, and one year we were there and uh, we were told, you know, if if you want to go and meet someone, um, <clears throat> one of the elders of a, of a church and um, go and talk with them and, and just kind of really encourage a relationship, I think. And so we did. A group of us from our church went around and we, we met with other church leaders and saying hello and whatnot. And... Uh, it came actually very early on in my walk where one of the elders had said, I really think that perhaps there's a call on you that's going to come about in the future um, where you're going to be involved or, or lead or teach out or something like that in church planting. And um, so that was kind of my first introduction really into even considering it, I think maybe that was within the first year of me coming to faith, in fact. Um, and so from very early on, the, this idea of church planting was not ingrained, but it was it was there on the horizon. And uh, I'd give that, I'd get excited about that, you know, I'd give that major consideration um, right up until we did actually church plant. Um, yep, so moved to Wales and so already Sarah knew she was marrying someone who will one day uh, Lord willing plant and uh, pastor churches um, so that was already in the DNA of our marriage really we knew where we were going we knew it would happen it was just a matter of um, riding the cycle until God called us to go and do that and so yeah when when I moved to Wales we joined um Sarah's church that she was at um and uh, straight away got into ministry and made great relationships with those guys um still have have affections for those guys we we love them pray for them think about them often um we only live just five minutes down the road from their church so uh, we get to see them um 
And it was out of that church, actually, that we felt a call. So, so that church was undergoing a change of leadership. And the last green light, should I say, the, the previous pastors gave was to come and knock on our door and say, we believe that now is the right time. If you want to plant, we want to give you this green light. We want to be behind you uh, and we give you a full blessing. And so we went off the back of that. So that would have been about uh, coming up five years ago. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. So encouraging to hear the, the support you had there then yeah. from the church that you were part of. It wasn't you booking against it or even uh, running ahead of them, but uh, they were right there with you. Uh, so you say you're only about five minutes away. So obviously you've chosen a, a community um, in, in a relatively close proximity to, to where you were before, um, St. Clair's. Um, so t tell us what was behind uh, the, the choice of place. Was it looking at a need or was there a, a connection you had there? Or um, do, you, do you feel there was something of God speaking in it? Or like, what, what led you to, to choose that community in particular? Excellent. Um, so while we live only five minutes away, the, the new church is, is um, 10 minutes away. So it's another five minutes on the uh journey scale so um do you know i think it's a bit like the the call to planting church it kind of come to me from from outward that okay um people kind of get this sense of um perhaps calling on um my life that i perhaps hadn't yet realized and so it started to me just like the church planting call and as a point of logic really like okay um something in my mind you know um but over years it sort of dripped down as we say to the heart and it, it then becomes something wrapped up in my affections and that was a lot like saint Clair's. uh there is a church planting and encouragement uh group here called wales wide now, Wales Wide had a list of all the, the towns that needed vibrant um, uh, evangelical churches throughout Wales. And first on that list, closest to us, was St. Clair's. And I thought, OK, it's logical. We can go there. We may not even have to move. So we can go there and, um, and crack on. But do you know what? After, I think, four years it had dripped down and it had become something more hearty than that. Um, there was times where I would weep, weep over St. Clair's. There. So it went from my, my head as a thing of logic, oh, this is a good plan, to now I am completely emotionally invested as well. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, I remember the first Sunday I was up here in Manchester, I was hearing Colin Barron preach. Um, he was a senior leader at Christchurch Manchester. And I remember at one moment he, he had a list, just like the one you were talking about, of every community, little neighbourhood uh, across Greater Manchester. And he just kind of put them all on 
uh, on like a projector screen and, and it was just provoking us to uh, to pray to think to consider how are we going to see each and every community reached and um, what you say there is, is so so good to be thinking where's no one else going where's nothing currently happening in the work and how can we help it um, so, so tell us a bit about St Clair's obviously you've come to love it you've come to be invested in it but what, what kind of a, a place is it how, how big is it what's life like for people there what what kind of things go on in that that community great question um there's it's one of about four townships in, in, in its little locale there and we have St Clair's we have Larne if ever you heard of the the uh, poet Dylan Thomas so that's where Dylan Thomas came from before going to the states and whatnot so we have St Clair's Larne we have Maidrum um, and we also have Whitland okay and uh there are four townships that share the same locale and if we're gonna think about population over the four maybe we're looking around the 12 to 16 thousand so very small very small but if we're looking at st Clair's alone we're looking around the three and a half thousand population um and i would probably add that a fifth of that is farming community. There's very many fields, of course, rural area um, and a lot of farmers. And so uh, some of those is a very Welsh speaking area. And in fact, some of those farmers uh, wouldn't be confident at all speaking English. So that sort of shapes our mission approach a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so w one thing, I don't know if you've had the same experience that I have, I suspect you probably have, w when you hear church planting content, so I mean, we create church planting content, but there's a lot of it out there from different sources, it can often be produced by people who are in very different kinds of contexts to yourself, so a lot of it comes either from uh, towns or from big cities, uh, and the approaches, the strategies that people are sharing, uh, are great and they work in certain contexts and um, like I find when I read stuff even American stuff it has to go through a, a bit of translation to our context I'm sure you find stuff from cities needs to be translated a bit um, tell us a bit about what it's like trying to plant a church into such a rural community what are some of the big differences or things that you've heard other people talking about that wouldn't work or that you found work for you, but you never try it in a city or uh, anything like that, that makes this context particularly unique? Yeah, I think if we recap over the coffee we had, Tom, um, I think some of the unique things we face and perhaps what makes us uh, different in our rural area to perhaps the major cities in uh uh, especially England, but Ireland and Scotland as well. Um, I think what makes us, or what makes our context different is, um, first and foremost, we have uh, either the, what could be seen as a barrier or a tool of language. 
because uh, again, just to reflect on the language side of things, we're we're dealing with people in our context that really wouldn't be um, comfortable um, or or really able, in some instances, to hold a conversation in English. Um, so. First and foremost, that would shape part of our out, outreach and uh, uh, what we look like as a church. The second one, I think, because we have such an identity in Wales and especially our side of Wales uh, that is in, in south to the west. So West Wales there um, with the the 1904 revivals. And subsequently, what has come after that, I mean, there was um, uh, 16 revivals in the space of 400 years. And so there is a major history and identity to the Welsh people of, of revival, even if they're not religious. You talk to anyone on the street, um, probably perhaps not the younger generation now, but you talk to most of the older generation on the street and they will they will have a background in revival, either their parents were saved or they knew a church that had opened up on the street and whatnot, or a chapel that had opened up. And this leads to a second major difference. There is a there is a major divide in our communities, whether it be uh, Whitland, St. Clair's, uh, Lan or um, or um, sort of Pendine a bit further down, or Maidrum, there's a major divide between the chapel and church communities. And so straight away that had a knock-on effect to the way that we would plant. Are we going to come under church? Are we going to come under chapel? Do we leave either out so that it's inclusive? Um, what church building do we use? All of these types of things, because um, you use a certain type of building out there, straight away you've alienated half of the, the local community. Yeah. Um, so I think that is in major play with us. We live in a, a third thing may be that we live in an area that was, that was, um, that felt greatly impacted probably akin to the valleys um, with the government of Margaret Thatcher and the closing down of a lot of the industry in Wales. And so an English pastor going into there, they straight away are suspect of, um, of English authority. If we're going to be honest in my area there's there's a lot of people who are suspect of English authority English government things like that and so that also shaped our mission in that there needs to be time spent uh, building relationship encouraging um, uh, and, and maybe just getting involved in some of the local activities and meeting people going for coffees that sort of thing so there's three major areas that i think need focus if anyone were ever to come alongside us and join us oh that's it's great to hear um 
Yeah, it's so interesting figuring out the different nuances of context. Like before you mentioned the the church chapel thing to me a couple of weeks ago, I had no idea that was uh, a divide. Um, no idea it could alienate people just by the name that you, you chose for yourself. Um, and that background in revival, that's an interesting thing. Do you, do you find that that offers opportunities with people, gives a maybe a way into conversations with them or uh, an increased um, receptivity to the message you're sharing? That's a fantastic question. Um, it's a split bag. And perhaps to split it two ways is to go at it quite naively, but nonetheless, I'm going to do it for time's sake, okay? Uh, it's a split bag in that yes and no. Yes, uh, for many people, that's the God that their parents believed in. Of course, I want you to pray for me. Of course, I want to hear the same message that got them, you know, set ablaze and and um encourage them of course i want to hear that um on the other hand oh that's the god my parents believed in and that was really strict on me and i want nothing to do with that and so we got these these two and i think everything comes between that on a spectrum yeah so while it can be a very good way in it can also be um, a door shut for us yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, I know, noted similar conversations here in England as well, probably uh, particularly with older people who um, their parents' generation were more into it. And now the younger ones we've got coming through here in Manchester are probably more of a blank canvas than that. And it, it wasn't their parents' faith. It wasn't their grandparents' faith. It's like, I don't know anything about this. So uh, it's kind of a different starting point uh, at the younger end now. Um, but yeah, tell us a little bit then. Uh, you've been going for around five years. You've found some of these challenges along the way. Tell us where you're up to, what's your, your church life like? Are there any stories that you've got to share that have been encouraging to you? And just, just tell us about how, how the church planting has gone into St. Clair's. So particularly at St. Clair's, um, that I think the last church plant um, prior to one that I'm about to tell you about was 25 years ago and that church plant packed up after a year they said it was just too difficult um, I mean we're talking about people who are uh, all over the shop with regard to timing uh, that don't fit the uh, often don't fit the normal sort of Sunday morning slots because of uh, the animals at the farm and all of those types of things, you know. Um, and so there was a church that had, uh, I think, tried to adopt more what we were talking about, the city uh, approach and come and we'll plant a church there. Um, but unfortunately, it didn't work out at that point. Um, but shortly after that, and to our great encouragement, um, 11 years ago, there was a small church planted. And uh, I believe it had um, five or 10 people going to it. Now, when we planted the church, we were not aware of this um, church plant in the area, so small it was. Um, 
Anyhow, what happened was we planted planted the church and then this pastor came and saw us and they said, look, he said, there's no need for two church plants. Could we possibly join you? Um, we've come to see what you're doing. We, we know what you teach. We're fully on board. Uh, and so after the first year, that church plant transitioned into us. And that was a major uh, encouragement for us. And in fact, um, that, that pastor then uh, laid down his role to come under the pastoral leadership of, of home church, of our church. Uh, but will be now um, ordained as a pastor come December, uh, where we will be uh, commissioning four pastors and they will take on home church in St. Clair's uh, alongside me. But on top of that, we're going to be planting a new church into Whitland, which is the following township. And so uh, me and the family will go over there and we will go on God's blessing and plant the church there while the pastors who have been appointed here will look after the church here. Yeah, so that's kind of where we're at. We've seen, um, actually, here's a good story for you, Tom. We, before planting, I read 50 stories of absolute shipwrecked church plants. I'm, oh, horror stories, horror stories because I thought it's so easy to be taken up with the momentum uh, of church planting, especially when you're in perhaps some of our circles and everything's going well for everyone. And, and you know, there's, there's people getting saved left, right and center, wonderful stories. But I thought, actually, I wanna ground myself here. And so I, I went through, uh, few months quite depressing of uh, <laughs> of going through 50 stories that I could find of horror stories church planting and so after looking at that and looking at the landscape of Wales we weren't expecting one convert for seven years and God comes swooping in with his amazing grace isn't it that's that's our story I think that's the story of every Christian that God comes in with his amazing grace. And um, we've had 11 people come to salvation um, and uh, all of those have been baptized with us as well. And now the church starting from a family, there were seven of us is now under, now under our pastoral care is just over 60. Um, and we have, uh, I think after, the COVID hit, we now have around the 30 returning back to church every week. And so we're trying to slowly but surely overcome the insecurities of those that that were hit quite badly really with with COVID, lost businesses, things like that. People trying to um, get started up again and sort of try to find church in among life again, you know. So that's where we're at. Well, it's so encouraging to hear, like, yeah, in five years to have seen fruit, to see salvation happen, to see growth happen. Uh, it's wonderful. Um, so you're planting again in the new year. Um, so t- tell me a little bit about what that looks like in relation to home church. Um, would it be a plant that 
the church is planting it? How, how involved will others be? Or is it the yourself and, uh, and and your wife will be going and gathering a totally new set of people? Will the churches be linked to each other? How, how are you making that work? Great question. Uh, the churches will be linked. Um, it will be a church that uh, myself and my family will be going to begin. Now, uh, we've done it on the basis that all who are at home church have been called to home church. And so what we will do is one Sunday evening a month for the first 18 months, two years, we will meet in a hall in Whitland because what we don't want to do um, is leave home church with a limp or start Whitland, uh, the garden church with a limp. So we wanted to go slow, go small, um, and just begin to build up really uh, a presence in the area. And so we're sent on the blessing, we're sent fully resourced, we're sent um, with the help of uh, home church for sure. And so the churches are sister churches, They'll be linked, Lord willing. Um, we won't see ourselves as two bodies. We'll, you know, we'll be the same body in two different areas. Um, but there will be also um, distinctions between the two uh, outside of the name. <laughs> so, for instance, I will look to eventually after this next couple of years, Lord willing, um, I will look to come away full time from home church and be full time at the Garden Church Whitland, while the four pastors uh, will be full time at home church. And uh, and then I will, uh, myself and my family will look to do pretty much the same thing there, uh, appoint elders. And yeah, we believe that the Lord has um, been quite clear with us in in many different ways to keep going west yeah that's a great model of doing it i, I love that um that you yourselves are going and doing the next one um you you can use the experience you've had the lessons that you've learned along the way um uh, and leaving the church that you planted in safe secure hands uh, uh, it's such a biblical way of doing it. It's what we see in Acts, isn't it? And uh, appointing elders and going to the next place. Um, we wanted to model before calling um, or recognising the call on others, we wanted to model um, what that looks like. Because I can tell you now, the four pastors, um, I would be more than happy, even at this point, saying, yep, yeah, um, green light, uh, you know, uh, the Lord has called you, go plant a church. Uh, we would support you in every which way possible and all of this. Um, but I thought, actually, before we we go on to recognising others' calls, we want to really um, exemplify to the best of our ability um, what that would look like. And so before we we call anyone else to it we thought let's get a bit further down the road let's get enough um experience and connections and and just really seek the lord in this ourselves for when it comes to uh, other people who are perhaps under our wing and doing the same thing yeah that's wonderful and uh, you, you were telling me a little while ago as well about other churches in the west of Wales that you've connected in with that 
together you're trying to do what you can to to help to serve to see more churches planted throughout the region tell, tell us a little bit about that and what's happening in west wales church planting more broadly so first and foremost i'd probably bring people to um to an uh, uh, a group of uh, church planters and those who resource church planters uh, over the whole of Wales, and that is called Wales Wide. I mentioned it earlier. Wales Wide helps to resource, encourage, uh, appoint, um, build, and sort of rejuvenate church plants and churches uh, over the whole of Wales. Um, they are a wonderful encouragement to to people who are out in the sticks because often these guys have done it all themselves and they have sought the Lord for 50 years in some cases and really um, really know the Lord's working in, in rural contexts and, and uh, have wonderful stories of encouragement and wonderful pastoral ways to deal with us when <laughs> us younger ones when perhaps things aren't going right so um uh, that's been a major contributor to the encouragement in our area. I think another one I'd want to uh, mention here is our group with Simon Bowkett. Now, he is a rural chaplain and he has been planting churches for many years and he does so in even more rural areas than us at the moment. Um, he he reaches out to uh, farming communities that have big families and so um, maybe uh, linking up two believing families together that will fill a church uh, you know and uh, he will go out and he will preach for them and he will visit around um, he's just been a wonderful encouragement as well and our group the 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 links with them um, being sat under his preaching and again um He's been doing this for many years, seeking the Lord for many years in this context uh, and knows, knows that it's not easy. <laughs> um, so that's been a real encouragement. Now, our links throughout West Wales are with established churches already that have been going 30, 40 years, but also with newly appointed pastors in older churches, but also uh, new church plants. And this is something that we want to encourage. There is no name for any formal connection, um, but this is something that we really want to encourage is the church to church or at least pastor to pastor connections. Um, if we can grow in that, I really think that would be to the benefit of the church. Um, not only us, I think, um, border going into South Wales as well, because I'm not sure if you're aware, Tom, there's there seems to be a disconnect sometimes between uh, South Walesian church planting context, housing um, Swansea and Cardiff to major cities um, and more sort of urban territory, let's say. And then we got West Wales, which is only the sticks. And I think the city in West Wales, uh, St. David's is something like a mile squared. It's tiny. <laughs> um, so it doesn't really fall into that sort of great city um, mentality when we come to church planting. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, there's some church plants throughout sort of Tenby, Haverford West, uh, Pembrokeshire, and we we love those guys and we're very much connected pastor to pastor with them. Um, so, yeah, that's where we're at at the minute with sort of forming connections and encouraging one another. Oh, it's great. We definitely need more of that everywhere. Churches can draw alongside one another support one another, build friendships and relationships. We're, we're about the same work. It's the same mission. We're not competitors. We're, we're co-workers. And if we can live that out and embody it, then so much the better. Um, so uh, c- coming towards the end of um, the, the chat that, that we're having, but just wondered, um, firstly, if you could just share anything that along the way you found really helpful, if there are resources or influences or, or or things that have helped shape how you think about church planting great question um things that i have do you know what i will probably go back to sometimes sorry I'm, I'm jumping from one one start of a conversation to another i think um there's so much to say but I'm, I'm thinking back now when I first started lectures in Union uh, School of Theology there at Bridgend, and um, one of the lecturers said something that just shaped the way I have read the Bible ever since. And he said this, he said, the Bible, the New Testament, in fact, is one church planter writing to another. And I thought, wow, what a framework to understand the the full New Testament picture in is this framework of mission, this framework of um, of church planter to church planter and the relationships there. And um, I just thought, wow, that was that that sort of really revolutionized the way I understood the Bible. And so I tend to read. Um, the scriptures with that frame of reference now Uh, so that has been a major influence uh, on me I think um, apart from university the faculty at union and um, uh, whatnot I think books if I could draw attention to books Kevin DeYoung and um, what's his name now Uh, someone Gilbert I forgot his name now Kevin DeYoung's book anyway on the mission of the church uh, absolutely transformative Um, he draws a distinction between mission and worship and and while mission comes under worship um, not everything comes under mission And I thought that was really helpful because not everything is proclaiming the gospel. You know, not everything um, we do is a proclamation verbally of the gospel. Of course, we can help uh, uh, an older person across the road or something. like. But that's not a verbal proclamation of the gospel, but it is an act of worship. And I thought, wow, what a distinction to make. Um, and, and for anyone doing church planting, that is a great distinction to keep uh, in your mind, that everything you do is, is to be an act of worship. But then we have this core hub of what we do, which is the mission. Let's buckle down and let's uh, go forward with that. So I think Kevin DeYoung's book, 
has been wonderful. Piper, I make reference to John Piper, Francis Chan, um, those type of guys who are who have had people under their wing or who have been church planting for years and really knows the highs and lows of the territory. So yeah, I would draw attention to to those. Great, I love that stuff, and yeah, I love that quote that you you gave from um, the lecturer that the New Testament is one church plan to write into another. I'm going to remember that one, and uh, I'm sure I'll use that around the place. It's brilliant. Um, so, so just to finish up, if we've got someone listening to this who's considering church planting into a rural context, do you have one um, last thing that you'd like to say to them, encourage them with, share with them? Any last words for someone in that kind of situation? That's a great question. Um, I would really encourage you to, and this is going to sound obvious, but pray, 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 pray. Read your scriptures, go to the word of God and pray pray, pray. Um, Why? Because in Christ is everything we need. In Christ is everything we need. In Christ, in relationship to him, we receive all of his amazing graces wrapped up in the person of Christ, given to us afresh through the understanding of his word. And as that understanding his word and coming to him in prayer, that we sense all of these wonderful graces again, isn't it? We experience his freedom afresh. We experience his presence afresh. We experience everything we need to make church planting doable. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Ben. Thank you for, for your time. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your story with us. It's been great having you on the pod. And Uh, To all of you listening, thank you so much for giving your time to invest in this conversation. And uh, we'll be back on the pod next week with with more content. We'll be uh, hearing from David Devonish, who's launching a a new course on broadcast soon. So uh, you'll hear more about that next week with what we put out. But uh, have a blessed week, everyone, and we will see you next time.